looking for the king of podcasts, you're in the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by Northeastern by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You drive me wild. <laughs> what up, Crazy Train Radio? You look like hell. And I can look the same. What's the photo for? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! 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 I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Me, I'm one crazy loofo. is truly exciting and so glad that they are starting to make a positive impact. Little Bean Soapery is a woman-owned small business based in Northeast Pennsylvania. Little Bean Soapery does so much as all products are handcrafted and offer many different things for both men and women. Soaps, scrubs, body butters, bath bombs, solid cologne and much more. Little Bean Soapery also does things for special occasions such as birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day and special seasonal gift sets. But also, let's not forget large orders for party favors by request. The great things about all products is that they are crafted to be nourishing on the skin. If you wish to check them out, please feel free to visit littlebeansopery.com. Any questions, please feel free to also email littlebeansopery at gmail.com for custom inquiries and or ask anything else you wish. Tell them that Elena from Crazy Train Radio sent you. Hey, it's Steve Off. You're listening to Crazy Train Radio, and that's the bottom line. Hey, folks. It's your least favorite host in a podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. Boy, do we have a good one for you today.
Hey, man, who's that cat coming down the street? I don't know, but it sounds to me like that whistling man with the bone. Sure having himself a ball. Hey, folks, uh, as promised, we have one one gentleman on the line right now who will be appearing at Rich Alderman. Altman's New Jersey show, which is sponsored by Hollywood Collectibles. Uh, this gentleman on the line right now was voted uh, one of the 50 greatest NBA players of all time. He's a Hall of Famer, and he actually, another unique little tidbit about him was he, as a player, has the second uh, most amount of championship rings only behind his teammate, Lowell Russell. That gentleman I got on the line right now is Mr. Sam Jones. Sam, what's going on? How are you? Well, I'm down here in Florida, and I'm having a real a great time. Uh, the weather's fine. A little bit hot at times, but uh, I'm enjoying it very, very much. Well, what, without giving away exact location, what part of the state are you in? I'm actually in St. Augustine, Florida. It's the oldest city in the United States. And I've always okay. wondered if it's the oldest incorporated city or the oldest city. Uh, I've got to find that out from Google, I guess. <laughs> well, well, obviously, for people who know you and will learn about you a little bit in this interview here, uh, you're... A Carolina boy yourself, born and raised and went to school and all there. But what was it about going to Florida here? Why did you choose to go to Florida there? Well, I chose to go to Florida because after you've lived in Boston for a number of years and lived in Maryland, it's two different worlds. Uh, it's oh, so yeah. cold, it's cold in Boston. But the main thing about Florida is the living is a little bit easier. The taxes are a little bit cheaper. And I guess I could say that when you retired, you don't have to worry about getting out into traffic. You can go when you want to go. That's the best part about living in Florida because there's so much to do. Well, are you a one that dials or anything like that? Are you an outdoors guy? Oh, I love, yeah, I love the golf, even though uh, I am a high handicapper. I still love to go out and play because... It's a game that you never master. That that's true, you know. You, <laughs> you always seem to think and all. Well, I, the the game is you're having great, and the next day you're driving, you're hitting fairways, and but you can't putt, and so you can't bring it all together at one time, and that's why I like it. Because I know I'm not going to conquer this game, but I'm going to try my best to do so. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, that's definitely the uh, uniqueness, as you said, about the game of golf. That's for sure. But uh, obviously, like we said, you're going to be coming up to New Jersey at the beginning of uh, June. To yeah, that's next day. If you think about it, it's next weekend. Yes, I'm going to be, yes, it is. I'm going to be uh, well, appearing we for, 
I'm going to be appearing for Hollywood Collectibles or Rich Altman, uh, who's known all over the United States for his memorabilia. And he's bringing in my good friend Bill Russell, who's going to be along with me, and Oscar Robinson, who was my nemesis, played for the Cincinnati Royals, just a great man and outstanding basketball player. Well, actually, I was just going to mention both of them, but since you brought it up, uh, when you played against somebody like Oscar Robertson, uh, well, actually, there was another big man of that era that you guys all played in by the name of Walt Chamberlain that we'll be getting into. But what was it about Oscar when you knew you were going to be playing against him? That, well, first of all, it made you cringe? Or? Well, it did make me cringe. Realize that Oscar was 6'5", a point guard who was also a great shooter, uh, who uh, one year – had a triple-double for every game that he played in. Uh, usually he's going to get about 30 points a game. And so you knew that he was going to bring it, and he played better against the best teams. And we have, we happen to have one of the best teams in the league. And knowing that you're going to play against him the next night, you didn't get a good night's sleep because you were always thinking about Oscar what he's going to do and how are you going to try to stop him from making the points that he usually gets every game. And so it, it, it was it was a, a, a tough opponent that I had to go against each and every night that we played. Uh, well, would you say the same thing uh, about Wilt Chamberlain in there as well? I don't talk about Wilt Chamberlain. I didn't have to worry about Wilt. That was Russell's counterpart. But Wilt probably – could have been the greatest basketball player to ever go on the court had he put it all together. If he, if he, Wilt did what he wanted to do. One year he led the league in assists. One year he led the league in points. He scored 50 points a game for the whole season. That's a lot of points. And then he yes. would lead the league in rebounding. So anything, one year he led the league in assists. But had he put all of this together, he probably would have been the greatest player to ever go to basketball court. And to think it, all these years later, uh, he still, though, talked about as if he was one of the greatest. Well, he was, but you know what I'm saying? Still talked about as one of the great players of all time. Oh, of course. You, you, he, he, I'm, I'm saying, when, when you, I don't like to compare players because Everybody has a different era in which they played. But when you take a fellow who's seven feet two that can run the floor, jump like Wilt, and strong, just as strong as could be, and had a great fallaway jump shot, this guy was so good, great, very, very great on defense. I made sure he only blocked one of my shots because I did not challenge him after he blocked the first shot of mine, because I knew what he could do. So he will always go down as being one of the greatest players in the NBA. That is definitely, there's no argument from me on that one. Uh, when I was uh, doing some reading the past couple of days about you, Sam, uh, before we were going to start doing this interview, 
was one of the things, and please tell me if this was wrong or whatnot, uh, but one of the things that I found really interesting about you was when you were when Red Allbach drafted you for the Celtics, well, first of all, he never has seen you play. But the other thing that you were considering at the time was either going to teach or to play professional basketball. Uh, and so you asked for a pay increase with a potential teaching job. Well, I was using the Celtics uh, in a way to get more money to stay at the school because I knew that I could teach. I didn't know if I was going to make the Celtics squad because of the fact they had just won their first world's championship. And I felt that Coach Auerbach, who I did not know, would be partial to his players who had given him his first championship as a coach. And since all of them were coming back, I felt that if I got the job as a teacher and a coach, and I only asked for about $500 more, which the principal did not have, and that's why I went to the Celtics. Okay. Now, what was your specialty if you were to be a teacher there? Well, you got to realize when you're teaching high school, you, you don't have really have a specialty. Uh, my my uh, degree was a Bachelor of Science, so I could teach. And I guess I knew a little bit about math because I had a good background. I knew a, a lot about health and physical education. Uh, that was my major. And when you take health and physical education, most people don't realize you have to take anatomy and physiology. Um, you have to you have to take uh, uh, tested measurements, and you also take kinesiology, which you learn a lot about the body. So I felt that I was capable and I was ready to be a teacher in the high school. So I was I wasn't even worried about that. That was. That was like playing basketball. That would have been easy for me. Well, did you have, uh, would you say because of that, some of that knowledge that you learned uh, with the physical body and all that uh, that you just mentioned, uh, did that help? That knowledge help you in terms of uh, basketball? Because, you know, when you played in the late 50s and into the 60s and whatnot, uh, you know, you don't have what you have today as far as the team doctors and the athletic trainers and all that stuff. <laughs> that is so funny you say that. You have to realize coming up in North Carolina, uh, and I have to say this, uh, I remember someone saying separate but equal, and you have to understand because of segregation in the South, uh, it was separate but it was never equal. Uh, I, I never had the equipment to be a better basketball player, such as uh, a, a great workout facility. Even our football team did not have it. Uh, we never had trainers uh, to treat us. We just took the hard knocks and kept on going. And naturally, we didn't have the gyms or gymnasium, as it's called today, uh, where we could play before large crowds. And so... We 
made it because we had makeshift uh, makeshift equipment. I can remember, and you, you may like this, taking some paint cans and put putting cement in the paint cans and then making a pole and wrapping the paint cans with strings and ropes so that we could have something to lift for weights to build up your body. <laughs> like a makeshift weight. <laughs> this is the guy. truth. And, and you, you find a piece of um, steel, like a long pole, and you just use it to just lift. If it was kind of heavy, you use it to just lift to exercise with. And those are the things that we, we had. But we did the best we could. And I did have a, a great coach in high school, uh, especially in basketball. And I had a tremendous coach in college who's in the Basketball Hall of Fame uh, by the name of John McClendon. Yes. who went on to coach at Tennessee State and won three NAIA consecutive championships. It became the first one to win three. And he also was the first, if we want to say, professional uh, black basketball coach. He coached the Cleveland uh, I think it was called the Cleveland Pipers. And okay. I remember Steinbrenner was being part owner of that team, or the owner of that team. And for and you obviously remember the name as well. As you mentioned, Coach John McLennan. He also had somebody working with him that was a coach that you would remember at least, Floyd Brown. The, well, Floyd Brown was Floyd. also my coach also. Floyd Brown was was a player for John McClendon at North Carolina College at the time. It's now North Carolina Central University. And when Coach McClendon left after my freshman year, he recruited me to come to North Carolina College. When he left after my freshman year, Floyd Brown came in and became the coach. And I played under Floyd Brown until I graduated from North Carolina Central. And I was kind of shocked and not only that, when you said that Red Auerbach had never seen me play, he never, he never saw Russell play a game also. Yeah, it was one of those few, uh, you guys were some of the few guys, because I know he was one of those coaches that normally liked to see what he was dealing with as far as player-wise. Well, a lot of times you realize that back in those days, there were not too many assistant coaches, in fact, uh, there were very few assistant coaches, and there were very few scouts. And so what coaches did, they depended on the players who had played for them. And I remember reading an article that the coach at Wake Forest by the name of Bones McKinney had played for Red Auerbach, and he saw me play in the CIAA, and he made a big statement. He said the best player in the state of North Carolina in 1957 was a black kid going to North Carolina College. And now he said the state of North Carolina. And you got to realize it got Duke, Wake Forest, the University of North Carolina, North Carolina State, UNC Charlotte. We had we had a lot of schools, but yeah. and that year I graduated. That was the year that UNC went 32 and 0. And they beat Wilt Chamberlain and Kansas in 1957 in triple overtime. And so UNC had a 
wonderful team led by uh, a fellow named Lenny Rosenbluth, an All-American. And so to compare me with Lenny Rosenbluth or all of those players, uh, I thought that was amazing. Yeah, and I remember reading somewhere about that several years ago that the coach you mentioned, Bones McKinney, saying, hey, when Red was down there scouting in Chapel Hill, hey, there's this kid down the street, down the road a couple miles that you may want to see when he was talking about you. So, that's, Well, he was talking about me, but Red never came by to see me play. So on the, on the words of Bones, Bones McKinney, uh, he drafted me in the first round, and <laughs> that was scary. Yeah. Well, was there something, I guess, in training camp or during the early part of the season there, what was it, do you think, or did you have a conversation with a coach there that won you over to, hey, this guy's got, the Sam Jones kid's got to stick around and play for us? No, uh, I, I didn't go with that attitude. I went with the attitude that I was going to play the same way that I played in college. Uh, I was the type of player who was a team player. And if you saw the open man, you had to pass the ball to the open man because he had a better shot than you. And I think that's why I stayed around. Plus, I was a six-four guard that could run the floor, that had – a good shot, played pretty good defense, and if you look at around the league at that time, I probably was the fastest guy from one end of the court to the other. Yeah, you were, you were definitely one of the trademarks about you that's uh, still talked about to this day is being known for your quickness and being able to get some game-winning shots, especially during the playoffs there. But, uh, when you're with the Celtics there, is there any good stories you can tell us about whether you're playing with Bill Russell there or some of the other guys that came along the way during those years? Well, I played with a great guard by the name of Bob Cousy, who uh, is in the Hall of Fame, top 50. And he would get the ball to you immediately when he saw you were open. And one thing about Cousy, he knew – the distance from where every one shot. And so if you were not in a certain position, you did not get the ball. But once Kuzi passes you the ball, you cannot pass it to anybody else. You've got to shoot it. And that was a direct that came that was directed by Red Auerbach. Because Kuzi doesn't give you the ball unless you have a shot. And if you don't shoot it, you may go three or four minutes without getting the ball anymore because he wanted that assist. So he gave you the ball in order to shoot it. Now, hopefully you would make it. If you missed too many, you didn't get it. He gave it to somebody else. And that's the way he, that's the way he played. So i tell you right now, I enjoyed playing with him. Bill Russell was the type of guy who did not want to lose a game. He wanted to win every game, and he played that way. And he insisted that we play the best that we could because he would be the defensive player to help us out on the defensive end. If we could make it on the offense, 
nine times out of ten, we were going to be winners. And so uh, the player that did not get the accolades that he should have was Tommy Heitzen, who came from New Jersey, went to Holy Cross, and I'm telling you right now, was a wonderful, wonderful player, and I enjoyed playing with Tommy for about eight years. Okay. Uh, was it was? Would you say Tommy was more just of a role player, or what was it that made Tommy so special during those eight years? Well, first of all, Tommy could shoot. I I don't care what anybody say about Tommy Heisen. He was a great shooter, and he was an All American at Holy Cross. And plus the fact, you could count on him in tough situations, especially in the playoffs. Well, he was going to come through for you, and, and we depended on Tommy to give us 15 to 20 points of all game. And that's what he would do, for, and he could rebound. But you don't get too many rebounds when Russell is back there rebounding because he he was trying to get all the rebounds. So, as we said, you know, that, you know, Sam with Bill Russell and Oscar Robertson and there's list over HollywoodCollectibles.com of next weekend, whatever, in, in Edison, New Jersey and all. But want to ask you real quick, Sam, before we let you go. Uh, when you, how often, well, first off, how often do you do shows like this, go out and meet the fans and all that? Stuff? Actually, I do about two or three shows a year. That's all. Okay. And, and well, that, is, that is really enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially because, and I don't know, out of those shows you usually do a year, like this one, as we mentioned, uh, you're going to be with, like, Oscar and Bill and all. We're going to be with, let me, let me tell you, we're going to be with Nate Archibald. And that, that? That, we're going to be with Nate Archibald. They call him Tiny. And that, that, yeah. that, he's out of New York City. And you're talking about a player. One year he led the league in assist and scoring. It's not too many people have done that. That can be yeah, a point. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And, and he is a, he is a wonderful player. And there's another guy who is, uh, in the top 50. Yes. And so he will also be at the show uh, for Rich Altman. Uh, well, when you're at things, I guess, especially with, you know, Bill and, and Nate and other guys that you either played it with or against, uh, when you're at, when, during your downtime at night when you guys aren't signing or appearing or anything like that, do you guys get a chance to maybe go out to dinner and just swap store, old war stories? We don't talk. We, we go out to dinner, but we don't even talk basketball now. We talk about family. Uh, because well, whatever. Well, we, 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 uh, we knowing each other, and it's not like I'm going to see Oscar for the first time. I speak to Oscar maybe three or four times a year over the phone just to see how he and his family is, is doing. And... I speak to most of my teammates uh, at least once a month. Now, Bill Russell, I speak to almost three times a month because we've been like that for ever since we retired. We've always kept in contact with each other. I, uh, what's that? No, no, go ahead. Finish what you're going to no, say. No, I speak with Havlicek, Satch Sanders, Frank Ramsey. So I get a chance to talk with him also because – uh, listen, it was almost like family. 
uh, when we were playing together. Yeah, but what I was going to ask there, but when you're at functions like this, and yet, because, yeah, you said you guys communicate by phone and whatever, but uh, when you guys are at functions like this, how, how nice is it to, you know, be together physically and talk about family and talk about this or whatever may come across the discussions there? Well, it's wonderful because it's a time that you can relax, and it's good to find out how uh, you're doing health-wise because as we get older, older, the body deteriorates, and we run into health issues. But here, guy says, I'm doing fine. You, I might have had a knee operation, but it's it's okay. Um uh, I might have had a stent put in my heart, but I'm fine. This, these are the things that you like to hear, and they'll tell you about somebody else that you probably have forgotten. Do you remember so-and-so? Well, a lot of these guys I see, another guy I see quite often is Jerry West. That's another fellow that uh, loved him but hated to play against him and what he came to do in a game. He came to play. And he came to win. But when you play against better players, it makes you better. That, well, that is awesome to hear, uh, Sam. Uh, yeah, wrap it up. Uh, like, like we said, HollywoodCollectibles.com. Get the information about the show June 6th through June 8th. Sam's going to be here, as we said, uh, who's taken, you know, a good 20 minutes or so to from when he played and all. Bill Russell's going to be here. Oscar Robertson. You know, Bobby Hall, you name it. Fox Bobby Hall, Chicago Blackhawks. Yes. Oh, congratulations. If you're a Ranger fan, congratulations, because I love hockey. First game I ever saw in person was up in there Boston. Yes. The Boston Brewers, but they are in the finals for the first time in many, many years. Yes, taking this interview, uh, the Rangers, as Sam just said, that the Rangers had beat Montreal last night to go to the finals. And you will be up here during finals weekend and being right there across the river, or right across the river and all that. Too bad I won't be able to attend a game. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. So, yes, indeed. Hey, there, there's just so much going on, you know, up here in the Northeast for all your years in Boston, like you said, and in Maryland and whatnot. Well, see, there, but, uh, there we so, come again. I got a chance to see Bobby Hull play along with – Stan Makita when they came in uh, to play the Bruins, and these are guys that that I knew back there in the in the sixties. The uh, it's just great to see those guys now. Yeah, like I said, it just seems like, and you know, some of the town stories and checking on everybody's house. That you know, it's just funny. To, you could see the genuine relationships at functions like this amongst you guys. Oh, yes. Because it's a certain fraternity, that's for sure. It really is. But, you know, Sam, I know we will be in attendance, so we will make sure get a chance to come over and say hello and introduce ourselves in person. Hey, please uh, do. I'd be glad to be glad to uh, see you. Well, you know, safe travels up here. We will see you next weekend, June 6th through the 8th, at the Jersey Show, presented by Hollywood Collectibles. Sam, thank you so much for uh, talking with us. Thank you, and have a great weekend. You too. Bye-bye.
Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any of the films. All orders are made specifically your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. It's Pinky, the real star of Pinky and the Brain. And when Brain and I are preparing to take over the world, we listen to Crazy Train Radio. Nerve! 